This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. Yeah, I mean, let's just kick it off and welcome everybody back to episode 35 of Thoughts from the Shade, featuring G, myself, uh, and the crowd favorite, Bomb. Um, Just here to recap Super Bowl 56, the LA Rams, Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., they're all Super Bowl champions, and it hurts, and you know what else hurts? It just feels like not long ago, Bomb, you were telling us as we were getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner here in the, the greater Philadelphia area that you got to cherish it. You know, we were get, getting to the dog days of football, and we blinked, and it's over. Um, and now it's Valentine's Day. You know, we promised the people we'd carry them from Labor Day to, to Valentine's, and here we are. Um, and, and it hurts to say, but... We got to give flowers out today to Fraud McVeigh and Stafford, Vaughn Miller, the rest of the Rams. Uh, they beat the Bengals Sunday night in L.A. 23-20. Uh, so I'll just throw it over to you, Bomb. Say what's up. How you feeling? Hey, they won't be getting any flowers from me. That was one of the most fraudulent, despicable Super Bowl wins I've ever seen. Two teams that turtled in the biggest moments. Two head coaches I thought that are total fraud. Zach, I mean, what's what's he? Is he is he planning on like opening up another hamburger shot down in Aston, Pennsylvania? Zach's hamburgers with no K, buddy. Come on, man. You know he didn't even go down swinging, so maybe that's why he doesn't have a K at the end of his of his name, Zach. Um, I thought he was pathetic. I thought McVeigh was pathetic. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade here. One guy won the game. It was Aaron Donald bottom line yeah agreed and um i think that that was ultimately the difference was the rams had the best player on the field on sunday night and it was aaron donald and he he was a little bit quiet and and you know the broadcast pointed out kind of what the offensive line of cincinnati was doing to contain him in the first half um you know getting him lined up on a guard and then chipping with the center but as the game went on and moved into the second half, uh, the Rams adjusted to that and, and moved Don a little more outside where we see seeing more one-on-one. And the dude just wreaked absolute friggin' havoc. So you, you got to give it to him. Um, but Cooper Cup's your MVP. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Bob. Well, I think you know how I feel about that. I don't think the guy should have even been on the field in the, in the the for the last touchdown. I mean, he gets popped in the head. Hard enough to warrant a uh, helmet-to-helmet unnecessary roughness penalty call. And the independent neurologist, the spotter who sits up, you know, up in the booth, he just, I guess he swallowed the whistle. He said, you know what, we're, they're down in the red zone. We're not taking them off the field. And, you know, if you're a Rams fan, you got to love that. We saw a guy hand his helmet over to, uh, to the Eagles personnel in a playoff game. I think he was one for four at the time. Handed it over, went to the blue tent, and uh, hung out with Wifey for the rest of the game. So, Kudos to Cooper Cup, a guy that just nutted up, gutted up, 
and uh, st- stayed on the field in spite of the fact that the NFL, once again, in the biggest moments, changes the rules, changes the procedures, t- changes the policies. So, you know, I, I, I didn't, didn't think he should have been on the field, but obviously he made the biggest play and um, cooked up a little apple pie there at the end. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess before we, we move to the rest of the game and, and, you know, some of the deep dive stuff, what were your overall thoughts just on the game? Like, I thought that the first half was solid enough. I mean, you had some action. The Rams had two nice drives and the nice touchdown throws to Odell and to Cup. Um, and then you had the big play to Chase. The Bengals answered back a little bit. There was good back and forth. You got a close game going in the half, setting up for what felt like would have been some high drama. And then I feel like the second half was was just a disgrace. I mean, you alluded to it a little bit in terms of the performances of the coaches, but neither team could really move the ball much in the second half, and it came down to one drive for for the Rams at the end there, and, and that was kind of it. And yeah, you had Burrow coming out with a chance and everything, but it just didn't really feel like all that exciting. And I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you feel. And also, like, is this kind of this new age NFL? I mean, Brady's gone. Peyton Manning's gone. Aaron Rodgers is at the end. Like, I don't know. Those guys just kind of make these games so much more intense. And, and they're, like, so locked in and, and making shit happen and commanding drives down the field. Like, and you just didn't really feel much of that uh, in the Super Bowl this year. It's funny you say that. It, it just felt like there was something missing. Um, it felt like the Super Bowl was overhyped, uh, too much glitz, too much glamour. I mean, I don't know what the fuck The Rock was doing out there before the game. That was pathetic. Mahalo, doing brother. Like, doing, like, spoken word. Like, what are we doing? Um, but you're right. Like, the flow of the game, I mean, for a game that didn't have a ton of penalties until – the final few minutes, it really felt like a sloppy game. Like missed assignments on the O-line. Um, I thought it was sloppy play calling by, by, by both coaches. There were times where, and, and, and McVay normally, I mean, as much as we rip them, one thing I'll say about McVay is you know, if you watch them during the regular season, when they're going well, it seems like plays build off each other where, you know, he might have uh, an end around, which then results in a, you know, some sort of a fake end around, which is a throwback to the other side. Like, he's very clever with some of his schematics and how he builds off of specific plays. And I just thought for both offenses, uh, the Bengals and Rams included, the play calling felt disjointed. It felt like at, at times when both teams got into second and third and one, they they would they would immediately just try to run a halfback dive to, to no avail. And uh, even though Mixon was going a bit, I mean, I really have to question some of the play calling there at the end of the game on the, on the Cincinnati end. And uh, we'll obviously talk about some of the big moments, but here you have, you know, your best player, your franchise guy, Joe Burrow. It's second and one. There's, what, 50 seconds left. You have two timeouts, and, and you're running a, a halfback dive with your backup halfback. Uh, right at Aaron Donald on second and one, you do it again on third and one, and now now we're now we're what we're, we still have the backup halfback in the game, and we're flinging a pass. I mean, it was just the whole thing seemed dis- disjointed, and and uh, I use the word sloppy. You you often don't use that word when there's a a, a a game that isn't highly penalized, but then of course met, you know leave it to the NFL. You get to the final, you know, two to three minutes, and it's a fucking flag fest. It was an ump show. It was a ref show. You know, I just thought the ending was was uh, 
anticlimactic. The play calling was sloppy. The play was sloppy. And really, you know, what better way than than the fraud McVay to get a win? Um, didn't even really feel like a Super Bowl to me. Yeah, I think you summed it up well. I, I, I felt the same way. Just And when you talk about how the Rams and, and when they are humming in the regular season and, and in the playoffs or whatever, um, that their drives kind of build off one another. Like that's kind of what I mean when you, when you look at, you know, the great runs of Brady um, throughout his day and like all, all the memorable late, late game heroics and long drives, you know, where they, they strung stuff together. Like this just kind of felt like for lack of a better word, like just a complete fuck fest out there. Like, I, I don't know what was going on. Um, and if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan and obviously we were on the Bengals took the points, thank you very much. But, um, if you're a Bengals fan that, that hold, uh, on the linebacker on the initial third down play, uh, third and goal at the end of the game there before the, uh, the string of plays or what started the string of plays with all the flags, like that one hurts. And then everybody's going back to the Higgins touchdown and, and the face mask on Ramsey, but. I don't know. It just no. Like, you can't. The thing is, people say that they're like, "Well, hang on." The 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 uh, the face mask on Ramsey. Face mask on Ramsey was missed on the first play of the third quarter, not on third and goal with a minute and a half left on a no no call tic tac. I mean, the 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 Ramsey non penalty. I mean, the game didn't have many penalties. So then to turn around and say, "Well, now we're gonna." That wasn't even that wasn't even in the thought process of the official. Somebody somewhere thought they saw a tug. Uh, you know, I was going back and forth with the maniac, and and this this pricks on on L.A. because he gets he gets all uh, hyped up on the glitz and the glamour and the Odell and the Matthew Stafford out of Detroit. And I'm te- I'm live texting him saying what an atrocious call it is, and, and the maniac saying he got jerked down. Cooper Cup got jerked down during that call. I mean. I don't know what to tell you, Maniac. You didn't get jerked down. It wasn't a hold. And like I said in the group chat yesterday, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan and uh, and uh, TJ Edwards gets called for that on third and goal in the Super Bowl and, uh, and and you lose that game the way the way you lose that game and, and the Bengals are wearing that, that Eagles green, that is without a doubt drive to NFL headquarters and burn it down. Like, like there would be no... Like, where, where, where are Cincinnati's fans today? I've heard nothing. I haven't seen anything. I've heard nothing. There should be demonstrations. This should be like the trucker protest up in Canada, except at NFL headquarters. That's what I would be organizing right now if I was a, a Cincinnati Bengals fan. The thing that hurts even worse on that play, you pointed it out and, and multiple people have pointed it out, but the entire Rams offensive line fall started on, on that third down play. God. And... The Rams were kind of the beneficiary in that NFC Championship game of the lack of delay of game penalties. Like lock, oh yeah. Which they they did call one of those on them yesterday, but I mean to your point, the refs let them play all game and then decide to really really get involved on a at at the, at the crucial part of the game. It it was disgusting and it hurt, man, but I mean, I have something to add here for you. Um, you know, what I would consider really the, the turning point of the game, in my opinion, where Cincinnati could have could have really uh, landed, a, you know, a knockout blow. 240 left in the second quarter, uh, second and 15, and uh, the Rams are driving. They're, on, they're in plus territory. Uh, 
Cam Akers runs it for one yard, and uh, it's now third and 14. The Rams have a, uh, a 71% win probability at this time. Third and 14, Stafford throws that interception and into the end zone, right? And we see a, uh, a guy in slides, a guy in a, a sweatshirt. I mean, if this happened in Philadelphia, I don't think the guy would have gotten on the plane. Vernon Hargraves. Um, you know, we didn't really hear much during the broadcast of who he is, what he is, who, where, where he plays. They, they just kind of said, oh, a, a, a guy from the bench. He comes running on the field and celebrating. I mean, that was one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. One of the funniest clips I've ever seen of this guy, like, completely unaware that he is totally fucking his team over. And he's got the towel. He's got the slides on. He's just fucking loving life. Well, that guy, Vernon Hart, they, they assess the, the unsportsmanlike conduct. And that totally changes that drive there with two minutes left in the, in the second quarter. I mean, you go from figuring, all right, we get the ball in the second half. Let's get a score here and, and, and try to hit them with the back-to-back. Two, we got to run out the clock, and we got to make sure that if we punt, they're not able to get points. Totally changed the uh, the complexion of of the end of the first half, and um, uh, and then you know the second half, right? The Bengals come out and score, and you mentioned the Ramsey, uh, you know, no flag. I'll argue. Here's what I'm going to argue: whether it's a penalty, whether it's not a penalty, how the hell does that guy go flying when somebody just touches their hand to his face mask? I mean. How weak is that guy on his on his uh, on his feet? Yeah, to me that play like sure like that flag can be thrown and it's fine, but like to me it looked like Higgins was kind of just adjusting to the ball to the throw and like kind of maneuvering his hands to to make the catch and he just happened to catch Ramsey's face mask. That that doesn't make it not a penalty, but it, it just kind of looked like a like a natural move for him to adjust to the ball, not not to go for the grab of the face mask there. Yeah, and, and tough guy Ramsey goes flying, and he's looking for a flag with his, uh, you know, you know, ski paraphernalia on, like he's like he's heading to Vail after the Super Bowl. I don't know what the hell that, 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 that look is. But, uh, you know, they score there, and then Stafford comes right back out. Uh, obviously, a little miscommunication between him and uh, Skaronsky or Skaronsky or whoever the hell it is. Gets the pick. The Bengals at that point have a 65% win probability with that pick. Um, and, and you got to score seven and they get down to the LA Ram 11 and it's third and three and Donald gets the sack. And it's just, I felt like Cincinnati had a lot of success early in the game with their quick passing game. And then for whatever reason, they just kind of went away from it. Um, their run game was really pretty stable all game, but they got away from kind of that little three, five step drop, get the ball out. And, yeah, some of it is due to the fact that they're bringing Donald down uh, and bringing some other defenders down and stunting a little bit with uh, uh, our boy Vaughn, uh, Vaughn Miller. But, gee, I mean, how many screens were called yesterday? And not, not that that's the situation where you call it third and three, you know, the 11. But, like, there was absolutely no doubt in Aaron Donald's mind that he just has to run straight up the field like a fucking bulldozer. That was all he did. There was no doubt around. He, he didn't even give a thought to the fact that he might have to turn around and chase a guy 20 yards down the field. It felt like the some of the times, and I think it was kind of earlier in the game, I mean, especially after 
after the pick in the second half that you're, you're talking about, but even on one of the earlier drives when, when the Bengals ended up settling for three, like the quick passing game is what got them down the field and, and a little bit of mixing. I thought mixing was pretty steady. I think he ended up with like 70 or 80 yards somewhere in there and he had a few chunk runs, like, but I feel like as soon as they got inside that red zone, they kind of just went away from mixing, obviously aside from the, uh, the halfback passing touchdown there, but it was, yeah, it was just questionable play calling, and they, they let Donald uh, and that D-line tee off on Burrow uh, when they needed they needed something else. Um, so I think ultimately, you said it at the top, Donald, but that, that D-line and the lack of protection for, for Joe B, not only from his offensive line but from his coach, um, really caused the Bengals. Remember when we were talking about the game and, and we were kind of making fun of the people that say, well, if, if they get pressure, I mean, you know, that's how you win the game. You know, no shit. You win the game in the trenches. Do you remember we were also talking last week about we thought that it was highly likely that Cincinnati wins the turnover battle. And if you win the turnover battle, you win the game. Well, they fucking won the turnover battle two to nothing. I mean, two picks and they turned it into three fucking points. Um, and that's just, it's a disgrace. Um, I, I was really, you know, not that we knew a lot about, uh, Zach Taylor. I, I didn't think we knew enough about him to make any proclamations about his coaching style coming into this game, but I have plenty of, plenty of ammunition. Now the guys, the guy's a fake gambler. He's a fake tough guy with his fourth and one bullshit. Um, he's got no balls when it comes to scheming something up. I just think that guy is the most vanilla. He's like a Nor- He's a new age Norv Turner. That's 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 what I think. Like Zach Taylor is. Yeah, I I didn't know enough either. And clearly, we've we've watched a ton of McVeigh. You know, the Rams have kind of been on the up since he's been there. But we've seen enough to know that that he was a fraud and he was ready to give the game away yesterday. I mean, you talked about the sequence at the end of the first half. Stafford throws the pick. Then you got Hargraves you know, in his beach attire, running around in the end zone, and the Bengals go three and out there and give it back. And I don't think the Rams come away with any points out of that either. So that they had the ball in, yep. Bengals, territory, in Bengals territory excuse me, twice uh, at the end of that first half and came out with no points. You had Cooper Cup not knowing when to get out of bounds, um, just kind of poor, poor clock management and poor play calling. I mean, you look at McVay and – Cup, you know, ultimately won MVP, decided the game on that last drive. I mean, they needed one drive, and they finally said, all right, we're just going to feed Cup. I mean, why were they not doing that all game, especially once Beckham went down? And we can get into all the ramifications of Beckham going down uh, on the game and on the broadcast specifically. But, I mean, what, like, he was running the ball up the gut at will. They were getting stuffed all game. I mean, if they were looking to Cup throughout – they might have blown the Bengals out. It it was just like it's almost malpractice. You, you got the Super Bowl MVP yep. on your team. You waited till the the drive you needed to win the game to really force feed them. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like both coaches did everything they could to not win the game. And you could talk about how you know, oh, they're aggressive. They went for it. McVay went for it with five minutes left or whatever and converted. But the fact of the matter is the guy needed, what, seven or eight plays to punch it in on a goal-to-go situation with assistance from the referees? I mean, come on, dude. Um, 
before we jump over to kind of the, the Beckham and the, and the, cause I, I have plenty of thoughts on that and the broadcasting piece and just the puff. I mean, they would, they were making it out as if like Sean McVay was like, uh, this was his finest hour with no weapons or no, I mean, this was the team that existed before like fucking, uh, Odell got there. Right. But, uh, I, I do want to mention a couple things. I mean, when uh, Cincinnati's defender, the, the guy in street clothes, came out on the field and they penalized him, everybody acted like they didn't know who the hell he was. Well, Vernon Hargraves, all right? This guy was selected 11th overall out of the University of Florida. I presume they play by similar rules down in the SEC. I, I don't think they allow guys in flip-flops to come off the bench. But uh, re- regardless, uh, 11th overall in 2016, he was the third defensive back. Uh, let me correct that. The third cornerback picked in that draft. There were two corners picked ahead of him, G. Who do you think they were? I'll let you fill everybody in. Well, the, the first corner taken was Jalen Ramsey. And the second corner taken was Eli Apple. The fried apple himself. So for all the talk that we heard coming into the game about Jalen Ramsey and he wants to he he wants to uh, you know shut down this person or that person. For all the talk about Eli Apple, he had his his own little things to say before the game too. Those three fucking bozos that were picked in the top eleven of the 2016 draft are responsible for like basically. I mean, I can tell you, Eli Apple got toasted on that last that last drive. Hargrave screwed the team over at the end of the first half, and fucking Ramsey played like horse shit. So, like, I don't need to hear the, I'll call it the NBAification of the NFL with the personalities and everybody wants to get theirs and feast and all this and that. Like, they're all, these guys are fucking Russell Westbrook. That's who these fucking guys are. I thought Ramsey, specific, I mean, they were all, I mean, Hargrave did his thing. He didn't play in the game. Still, still was noticed, uh, made an impact somehow in flip-flops. But Apple was terrible. And, you know, obviously the broadcast is drumming up Jalen Ramsey and Collinsworth. Oh, this guy, he, you know, he, he's the best corner in the game, this and that. Um, the play in the first half, the Jamar Chase, I want to say it was a 42-yard catch. A uh, hell of a catch by Chase. He had, he had a number of catches, like one of the swing passes he caught, like behind him with one hand. Like, that guy is just incredible, going to be a stud for years to come. But the, the play in the first half, I believe it was 42 yards where he burnt Ramsey a little bit, got behind him, made the catch. I believe they said on the broadcast it was the third longest reception allowed by Ramsey um, of the season. And then the T. Higgins 75-yard touchdown, that was the longest reception he's ever allowed in his career, I believe, uh, if my eyes were serving me well, last night. And then even on the very last drive of the game when Cincinnati has a chance to go down the field, First down, first play is an out route to Chase, like a five-yard out. Jalen Ramsey jumps it like he's Asante fucking Samuel for the Eagles back in the day, and Chase catches it and runs for about 20 yards. I mean, they talk about this guy like no, like nobody can catch a ball against him, and he, he, he was the target uh, on some of the biggest plays of the game for Cincinnati. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we had defensive backs, specifically cornerbacks in the league that were shut down corners. Talk about Patrick Peterson. Talk about Darrell Revis. 
Like that wasn't that long ago. And and yet it's it seems like because this guy puts on the you know, the royal blue and and the yellow, and he's out in LA and he's got the he's got the fucking, you know, ski cap on. Uh, you know, it, it's like this guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, I just think he's a bum, he's a punk, he's a stiff. And I don't need to hear all the bullshit off the field about how great he is and he wants their best man and this and that. I mean, there were times where he was on like the fourth receiver yesterday. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, like a little white guy from Cincinnati who like, I don't even know who the hell he is. First time I seen him, little white guy looking like, you know, Wes, Wes Welker in 2007 is running around and Ramsey's got him one-on-one. Like what a, what a stud player you are, buddy. They talked all week and le- leading up to the game about how, um, you know, Ramsey wanted to cover Jamar Chase and he had to lobby with his defensive coordinator. Well, that clearly didn't go his plan because he was all over the place all game covering different guys. So you talk about those those not so old school shutdown corners that that aren't in the the too distant past, and they were always checking the number one guy for every snap of the game, and and you saw none of that with Ramsey uh, on Sunday. But I mean that that they were going on about that, and Collinsworth was talking up Ramsey, but. I mean, I felt like the entire broadcast, and specifically really Collinsworth just doing the color, um, really providing like the only analysis throughout the game, but the guy totally went to bat for the Rams, like the whole game. I mean, uh, you had the scuffle when the Bengals were on the field in the second half. Uh, Aaron Donald shoved Burrow out of bounds. I thought it was fine. Burrow wasn't out yet. He, he knocked him out, but the Cincinnati offensive line, you know, had words and, and a shove for, for Donald. And then you got Chris Collinsworth. And, and sure, maybe he was right. But he's like, I don't know if they wanted to do that. They might have got Aaron Donald fired up. That's not a good idea. Oh, so it's just a good idea to to, to let a guy just completely annihilate your franchise quarterback, um, you know, who's been g- getting his ass thrown around all game. Um, and then... You know, with Beckham going down, they're talking about the la- he's talking about the lack of weapons and how Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are, are going to have to get so creative um, because of the lack of weapons and the lack of familiarity because he lost a guy you know that he's played with. Um, I mean, Odell Beckham came to the Rams in what November, like it, or December even maybe. I mean, it was the end of the year. He acted like Stafford and Beckham have this rapport of from years. And you would have thought Odo Beckham Jr. going out of that game was like the San Francisco 49ers losing Jerry Rice. I'm glad you, I'm glad you used Jerry Rice because I was literally about to say the same thing. I mean, that you would have it was it was unbelievable how much they were talking about o- Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he's Sean McVay, the bright mind, the young mind that he is, is is his entire Offensive philosophy built around uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, I didn't know that coming into the season. I was told he's a genius and able to scheme anybody open. And like, here we are in the Super Bowl, and uh, and and they're they're talking about the lack of weapons. I mean, if I hear the, how many times did we have to watch the Philadelphia Eagles go into the playoffs with Thrash and Pinkston, and nobody ever anywhere talked about the fact that we, you know. On the national meet, on the national broadcast, I'm saying, not locally. Everyone locally said we got no fucking weapons. But I don't remember anybody ever saying, oh, this is because of a lack of weapons. And here we are in the fucking Super Bowl with the bright young mind, Sean McVay. And now we're starting to hear it, G. Starting to hear the swirl. 
Hall of Fame quarterback Matt Stafford loses. He lost to how was he? Eight? I don't know how he was able to engineer the draft. He had the fucking MVP at wide receiver. The offensive player of the year, whatever you want to call him. At wide receiver. And, and we're talking about a lack of weapons? Come on, man. And there was no mention of uh, I, the, the guy's name is is uh, escaping me right now. But one of the starting corners on the Bengals went down at some point in the game. And I don't think he made it back into the game. And there was no talk of um, who's the Bengals defensive coordinator, Aranu or whatever the hell his name is. There was no talk about him having to, uh, you know, draw up some new defense because he lost one of his defensive backs and he's going to have to get creative to shut down this high flying Rams offense and the creative Sean McVay. There was no talk about the loss of the D back for the Bengals whatsoever. Yeah, just, just a total stroke fest. And the thing that's sad is as this McVay Shanahan Taylor coaching tree continues to evolve, I mean, what if we get to a point where every single coach in the NFL is like off of their coaching trees? And then it's like, I mean, it's like the Spider-Man meme. Who's the fraud? Like everyone's a fraud, but eventually somebody has to win the fucking tournament. It's crazy. Yeah. It just feels like we're getting away from the greats almost. Like we're just getting into this new era of, of NFL football where no matter who the hell trots out there with a headset on or, or with a quarterback wristband on, like they're going to be the next great thing, regardless of, of what they did in the past, where they came from and who came before them. Dude, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's becoming the NBA. I mean, you heard it today where you turn on the TV and we're talking, are we really talking about Matt Stafford being a, a hall of famer? The guy has a sub 500 record as a quarterback. Yeah, and he threw the two picks. I mean, the pick at the end of the first half was atrocious, just a complete force. And he had the pick in the second half when his team really needed him because Cincinnati had all the momentum off the Higgins touchdown. Um, and then on that, that last series where they did ultimately score to win the game, he missed, missed a wide-open Van Jefferson. And you got Collinsworth there going to bat for him. He had to elevate it over the linebacker. I mean, the linebacker was standing at the five-yard line, and Van Jefferson was at the the back of the end zone, and he was Dude, acting was like so he had to bad. thread the needle. That I mean, was so bad. I'm like, I don't know. I don't. Well, no. I, I don't mean. I don't mean to hammer the guy. But no, no, no. Let, let's hammer him. I mean, <laughs> dude, hold on. It just feels like. I mean, remember when the Eagles played in the Super Bowl? That was an NBC broadcast. Do you remember what happened when Tom Brady launched up the Hail Mary to Gronk and whoever else was close to the Pats and it hit the ground? There was the infamous Chris Collinsworth groan. Ugh. When that ball hit the ground. I mean, this guy just picks a side and he rides it all game. It's but he unbelievable. for the Bengals. And he was strumming the Rams for, for three and a half hours last night. It's like he was overcompensating. And, like, here, here's here's what I'd like to say to the Matt, Matt Stafford people. Um, he's 86-95-1 in his career. He's got one Super Bowl. Eli Manning's 118-118 and 118 with two Super Bowls. I would argue Matt Stafford is close. Can I, read, can I read you this particular? Here we go. I'll read you two. Two uh, resumes here. 
So Stafford is. <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is fucking unbelievable. All right. One guy has both guys have a Super Bowl, right? One, one Super Bowl ring. Uh, here's a blind resume. 98 and 80 with a Super Bowl. That's a 551 winning percentage. Who do you think that guy is? I don't even know. Is, is that too many games for Big Nick Dick? Too many, too many games. 98 and 80. Almost 20 games over. So 551 winning percentage. Played in 178 games. That guy's name is Joe Flacco. Uh, here's, another, here's another resume. Uh, Flacco was 551. Here's one. 559 winning percentage. 38 and 30. That's Nick Foles, 38 and 30. How about another guy who a lot of people thought was a stiff, won a Super Bowl? 106 and 71. Who's that guy? That's Brad Johnson. So don't tell me this bullshit about how, oh, he got, you know, you got Orlovsky with his stupid T-shirt on. You know, and he and he was there. He was at the game with wifey. He's like a Wentz guy, that Orlovsky. And he's there at the game, and he watched it in person. And all of a sudden, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, he got the ring. He got the ring. This is a, this is a Hall of Famer. Come on, man. Is, broad, is Brad Johnson a Hall of Famer? I think I said after the game, like, and maybe it's a stretch. I mean, Stafford's not the worst. And we, we're on here, and we, and we hammer him. But... Somebody's got to hold it accountable. The guy, the guy is a mediocre quarterback. He's a lifetime loser, and I feel that he Trent Dilford his way to this ring. They didn't put up forty points. They scored twenty three. I mean, if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, honestly, do they even win this game? No. Like if it wasn't for for that defensive line and you know the Bengals' inability to protect Burrow and Taylor's inability to continue to get the ball out quickly like they did in the first half. Um, I, I think the Bengals win the game. By the way, you mentioned the name earlier, Trent Dilfer. 65 and 65. With a Super Bowl. Put him in. Put him in, Canton. You know what it is now? It's not, it's not actually about putting the greats in. It's about, it's, it's just hot takes. How, how early can you be in on somebody? And, and then, and then as they say, as they say in the streets, here you go, G, this is what they do on ESPN. I have the receipts. Wow. Receipts kept. Yeah. I got the fucking 1500 receipts of you were dead wrong. Oh yeah. We've got them. You've got him all right, but now, I mean, good, good for Stafford. Seems like a good enough guy. I know I got on him for limping last week here on the pod, and he was limping after what looks pretty pretty nasty of a roll-up on a sack. Um, so he he was clearly playing through something. So you got to give the guy some due, battling, getting the job done, good last drive. Um, but it's it's just the, the modern-day NFL and ESPN – Hyping everything up to more than, than it really is because I, th- I think anybody 
in football that watches football knows that Matthew Stafford isn't isn't an elite quarterback. No, he's a top what top twelve quarterback maybe. Yeah, right? I think that's fair. Top ten, top twelve. I mean, you know, he's not, he's not top five. Hell no. Top third of the league, maybe. You can't tell me he's top five. You can't tell me he's top eight. Yeah. So now all we got to hear about is is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? That that was the big talk Monday uh, on ESPN. And then the other talk is that Odell Beckham Jr. has rewritten the story of his career. Now, I mean, you got to give him a little credit. He came to the Rams. He played well. Uh, he played well and, and certainly had an impact early in the game in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, aside from maybe earn, earning a new contract, I mean, how how has this guy really writ, rewritten his story? I mean, we saw him bitch out in New York. We saw him bitch out in Cleveland. And Chris Collinsworth is saying that Odell Beckham Jr. got thrown out on the street like like he was somebody that the Eagles would pick up and put in a wide receiver. This guy didn't get thrown out on the street. He bitched his way out. He didn't want to be there. Yeah, his dad was creating YouTube videos of all the time he was open. And and then <laughs> they, find- they make him out like he's like he's a martyr. I mean, like literally like a martyr that died for the sins of the Browns foot like football team. Am I missing something here? We must be. I don't know. I mean, he he's a spectacular talent, great athlete, but questionable character in my eyes. I mean, I, I just, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's he's not injured too bad. I don't know if the MRI came back or what what have you, but I mean, they, they, you said it. They, they act like they lost Jerry Rice in this prime. And he's out there trotting around on his two hundred thousand dollar cleats. I guess those don't hold up on that LA turf. Nah, they didn't. They didn't study that. I tell you, what was really upsetting. I mean. Was there anything that made you want to puke more than watching him cry at the end of the game? I had to turn the television off. Oh, I, I, as soon as the clock went final, I turned it off. As soon as they took the knee, they weren't taking the timeout. I turned it off. I couldn't watch that. Now you you got Va- you got Vaughn Miller uh, with a with a triangle carved into the back of his head, embracing purple haired Odell, and Odell's crying like a baby. I mean, it makes me sick. And then you go online and you see these people, you know, how, how fraudulent are New York Giant fans? You see them online saying, congrats, Odell. Great Odell. Way to win one, Odell. Like, didn't that guy stab that franchise in the back, too? That's that's the impression that I'm under. But, like, again, this guy played, what, a quarter of the season with the Rams? He played a quarter plus in the Super Bowl. And, yet, yes, he had the touchdown and he had another big catch. But, like... They still got it done without him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. You got you got anything else? No, I mean that's that that's it. I mean, the only other thing I wanted to mention, I'd like to get your take. Do you see any of these teams getting back anytime soon? I mean, obviously, I think the Rams were win win now mode. You know, I. They're not going to be able to pay these guys, right? Presumably. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not doing a deep dive into, the, into their cap situation, but it seems to me like a lot of these guys were hired guns and in, in it for this year. Um, but, like, the, I, guess, I guess the more interesting conversation is, like, Cincinnati. I mean, 
Seems like they caught lightning in a bottle. Seems like they kind of had a lot of different things go their way here and just winning close games in the playoffs. And like I'll just come out and say it. Like, I don't really have a lot of faith in Zach Taylor to be able to engineer another Super Bowl run. I mean, what what do you think? Is there is there an argument to be made that if they pick up a couple pieces on the O-line that they're right back there? Because I, I just don't see it with the way that guy coaches the game. Yeah, I mean, I certainly feel like it was it was kind of a uh, a miraculous run, so to speak. And and talking to people about the game, the Super Bowl, like, do you think the Chiefs would have lost yesterday? Do you think the Buffalo Bills would have lost yeah. yesterday? So, I mean, yes, the Bengals beat the Chiefs to get there, and so on and so forth. But I kind of agree. I mean, maybe it's a good learning experience for Taylor. I mean, he he's a young coach too. Um, you know, so so the jury will be out going forward, but you know now it's a lot bigger spotlight being shined on the Bengals and on Taylor. But I mean, they have the quarterback, and they have a lot of young talent at receiver. Joe Mixon, can they patch up the offensive line? And then I I think they have some good pieces on defense. I mean, Hendrickson, Hubbard uh, clearly have to get some things fixed in the secondary. Um, and I don't have the names, but, you know, they had some really strong linebacker play, I thought, yesterday. Um, so in terms of personnel, I don't think that's what's going to hold them back, aside from maybe the offensive line and the secondary. So you'd probably look for them to patch up those areas in the offseason. But, yeah, um, the eyes will be on Taylor uh, and his staff kind of going forward to really get the most out of that group because th- there is some serious talent there. But I'm watching ESPN uh today and they asked the question that you just asked me who's more likely to make it back and orlovsky and whoever the hell else is on there all four analysts rams across the board i mean that's how can you possibly say that yeah like with, without knowing who's coming back i don't know who's coming back but i mean you know, aaron donald was talking about retiring after the game <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just kind of even thought to myself, and maybe this is a stretch, but like watching the NFC playoffs and then seeing the Rams win this game, and again, I don't think the Rams beat like the Bills or the Chiefs like on their best day, especially with that effort on Sunday, but like watching that game and watching these NFC playoffs, like if if Howie Roseman can engineer like another incredible offseason like he did pre-2017, why can't the Eagles make a run like next year? I don't know. And, and and I'll just I'll come out and say it. Not not that I agree agree with it, but it worked, right, for LA. I mean, they went and gambled on a guy like Stafford, right? Went all in and said, We we think we can upgrade at the QB position. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that we I think we all agree that the three QBs that are out there this offseason are better than Stafford. Rogers. Wilson and uh, presumably Deshaun Watson. And I agree with you. I mean, maybe Howie looks at this and says, hey, we're quarterback away. This roster is not far off. And how do we how do we maybe accelerate this this rebuild? Because NFC is wide open, man, especially if you can get some of those big name QBs to flip. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, look what the Rams just did. I don't think they'll be back. Um, to the Super Bowl. Obviously, they might make the playoffs, but look in the South. I mean, the South, the NFC South is in shambles. Brady will be gone. 
Uh, who knows what the hell New Orleans is? Carolina's a dumpster fire. Atlanta's a dumpster fire. So then you look uh, you look at the North. Presumably Rodgers is out of there. Maybe he goes to the AFC. And the North is a dumpster fire. Vikings stink. Rebuild. Lions stink. Uh, Bears stink. So really, you really only have the Packers. Now, if you take Rodgers off that team, maybe they win the division. Maybe they're a, you know, a nine and eight team, something like that. But uh, you know, then you turn turn to the East, dumpster, another dumpster fire. So, if anything, hopefully, and you're right, like like can Howie engineer another off season? But hopefully, the Super Bowl itself, like the fact that the Rams won it, uh, gives Howie the firepower to go into Jeff's office and say, hey, if we think we can get a deal done at X Y Z price. Like, let's let's get it done. And I'm not saying sell the farm for any one of these guys. But if you're able to get a guy that, that that's one uh, for for a reasonable price, particularly because the Eagles are, I think, an attractive franchise, an attractive landing spot with a young roster, um, I say do it. Yeah, And you didn't even mention the NFC West, too. I mean, obviously, the Rams are there. They are what they are. But yep. You have all the drama with with your boy Kyler Murray now. Um, San Francisco is Jimmy G coming back and Trey Lance play, and then Seattle. I mean, they're a dumpster fire too right now. And Russell Wilson, he might be headed elsewhere. So it just made me think, like watching the quality of the game yesterday, and this this new age of these young coaches, and and we've got one of them now. Like maybe maybe you can win with this slop. I mean, the Rams did. So can can we upgrade our personnel a little bit and and win with this this slop coaching? Because we wouldn't be the first team to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be it'll be exciting to follow. And I mean, the more I the more I think about it, I think I think I think you gotta you gotta do it because I mean. I don't know. You you just you just sit here and say, all right, like. Do we expect if you expect Hertz to take a step forward, what does that even mean? Like he doesn't become one of those guys, right? Um, no. And if he doesn't take a step forward, then you're royally effed anyway, and you got to take a quarterback in the draft. And it's like, well, it reminds me a lot of the year when the Phillies paid a lot of money to Ryan Howard in the in the offseason and signed him to a deal. And uh, at the time, um, and all three deals look terrible right now. But but at the time, Howard, Prince Fielder, and Albert Pujols were all were all scheduled to be free agents. And it seemed like the Phillies, I mean, you know, you want to spend money on your, your homegrown guy. I get it. Um, and none of those deals really worked out. But you could have really taken your pick of those guys in their prime and, uh, you know, versus jumping at the first one. And you have to wonder, like, all right, if next year's quarterback class, which is scheduled to be free agent, like I know for a fact, it won't be as good as this one. I mean, those three, the, the, you know, Wilson and Rogers and, and, uh, and, uh, Watson, like if you can get one of those guys, you go, you go do that now. You can't wait around until, until next year and say, Oh, we wonder what's going to be available or, Oh, we hope the college draft is going to be better than what it is this year. You do that today. I'm with you. Um, I mean, any more thoughts overall on the Super Bowl? I mean, got some good topics there that, that we can really dive into uh, as we head into the off season. But anything else on, on Super Bowl 56 and, and the season? Uh, no, I, the only thing I wanted to touch on was the horrific, uh, awful uh, painting of the field. I mean, 
those fucking graphics. I couldn't tell what side they were on. Uh, probably between the 20s and the 40s. I mean, they got the big blood red. It looked like, uh, you know, a logo out of Dexter, the Super Bowl logo. Um, what did you think watching the game? That totally fucked me up. There were multiple times that Cincinnati had the ball and, like, they had gotten a couple first downs. And then they're going to punt. And I'm like, all right, they should be able to pin them back. And and maybe we also talked Cincinnati's punter didn't hit them all very good. But, like, there was just a few times I felt like they moved the sticks a little bit. Then it came to be fourth down. These guys are punting. And, and L.A.'s ending up with the ball at, like, the 35, 40, 45. I'm like, is this just, like, an illusion that we have these giant-ass LVI logos painted at like the 25 and i'm thinking it's midfield like i didn't know what the hell was going on it definitely threw me for a loop dude that that was bad and the the other thing i thought was bad and it happens in every big game i just don't get it i mean who thinks this is a great idea we sit here and we sit here and we sit here week after week sunday after sunday watch game after game we watch every sunday night game every monday night game every thursday night game every tuesday night game every saturday night game i watch and the fucking scoreboard is the exact same and they have the ticker at the bottom and you know when the flag comes and you know wh- where the play clock is and you got the two teams and the logos and the colors the whole thing's great and we get the super bowl fucking sunday and some asshole somewhere in nbc's production uh facility decides that's the perfect time to redesign the fucking scoreboard that goes on the, the screen. Can we maybe wait until the the, the the Hall of Fame game in August to test that out? I mean, it happens all the time. It happens in the college football playoff. Remember a couple of years ago, they re-engineered that scoreboard, and the fucking idiot intern that came up with the color schemes has, like, a yellow banner in there, so literally every play looks like it's a fucking penalty. I mean, who comes up with these ideas? I mean, I, I tend to, to disagree on this one. Like, I kind of like the new the new design of the, the scoreboard on the screen for the championship games because it just makes it feel, like, more special to me. That That's how I feel. Um, and then and then they use that one that they used in the, in the Natty or in the Super Bowl next year. I don't need a preview. I don't need it to feel special. It's the goddamn Super Bowl, okay? Take the logos off the field. Give me the old 1996 Fox NFL Sunday scoreboard. I don't need the, you know, the newfangled color schemes and the, oh, we put we decided to to put the NBC logo in a circle instead of a square this time. Like somebody paid someone to create that. Can you believe that? I mean, I don't know why. I mean, yeah, I guess it's cool we get a new scoreboard, but like I don't need to spend the first seven minutes of every big game figuring out what the fuck is going on. I got you there. No, I, I hear that concern. I'm following. Um, but now, man, I mean, I don't have anything else. I mean, do you have any thoughts on the halftime show? Not really. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not a big, uh, you know, Dr. Dre guy or, uh, you know, I had his original beats. I was a beats guy before beats were in. I will say that. Um, uh, not a huge Snoop guy, but I, you know, Snoop, Snoop. I watched Snoop during the uh, the Manning cast, and he was he was he was cracking me up on that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not a huge like hip hop or, or rap guy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have any qualms. I, I had no issues with it. Yeah, no, I I just brought it up. I thought it was pretty good. Like, and I feel like it was kind of good for like guys our age almost. Like, because I I don't really care for the hip hop now, but like. 
the Dr. Dre, the Eminem, the Snoop Dogg. Like, yep. I knew those songs that they played, and, and they were good yep. songs. I thought it was a solid performance, you know. I feel like the NFL and, like, the Super Bowl always try to, like, go new and go trendy. And I thought it would have been pretty awful if they trotted out, like, all these modern-day hip-hop guys, Lil Yachty, the Baby, Lil Nas X on his horseback and all this shit. No, they they went classic. They went back to some OGs. So honestly, I enjoyed the halftime show. Well, you like you like Dre and Snoop because they got a, they got a song named after you, man. It ain't nothing but a G thing. <laughs> That's pretty good. I didn't even think about that. I thought it was funny too. I mean, I'm sure Goodell and I, you know, I'm not going to get into uh, politics or protests or anything, but. It's not lost on me that Eminem, the only white guy there, was taking a knee right in the face of Roger Goodell. I mean, that shit was so funny. That guy was probably his blood was probably boiling. Yeah, that was that was certainly a statement. I don't think anybody could have missed that uh, watching that halftime show. But no, I just wanted to get your thoughts and give mine. Granted that that I thought it was pretty good. You get a lot of bad ones. I thought the weekend was pretty solid last year, but. You get you get some really bad ones and they're too drawn out. But I thought I thought it was good length. I thought it was good performance. Um, and you 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 gotta love the OGs, man. But that nah, was a great great year. Uh, to me, kind of a shame how it ended with uh, you know two frauds at the helm with the headsets. But it is what it is. We'll be back for more drama in September. And I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't change gears. And, you know, we will cover some off-season topics football-wise, but, you know, we got to branch out a little bit. And, uh, you know, hockey's coming down the stretch. The Flyers suck. Don't worry, we're not going there. But we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the big trade that happened in Sixers land last week. Daryl Morey gets his guy, James Harden, from Brooklyn. Ships off our favorite guy, Bum Simmons, to Brooklyn. And we've got another superstar in, in Philadelphia, in James Harden. Uh, Bum, just any any thoughts uh, on the trade, on the deal? I mean, I feel like I, I couldn't support that team wholeheartedly, knowing that Ben Simmons is still an employee. But now that he's gone, uh, I'm excited, I think. Embiid is having a great year, and, and this is kind of a high-level view. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm an 82-game guy or anything like that, but Embiid's like the favorite for MVP. You you, you bring in another superstar in Harden that, that likes to have the ball in his hands, that likes to shoot the ball at the end of the game. You bump that bum Toby down to kind of your number three option. You got Maxie. You kept Thibault. I think it's all good stuff. Uh, clearly, they're going for it, which you have to right now. You, you like to see the aggression. Uh, on Maury's part, but any thoughts from you, Bob, on the uh, the departure of Ben Simmons and the addition of James Harden? I looked at the trade, and uh, Thibault wasn't in it, and Maxi wasn't in it, and you can't help but say what what a what a great deal, what a, what a great job by uh, by Daryl Maury. I mean, he was backed into a corner, and he protected you know I think the two guys that were actually worth something, and got rid of the headache in Simmons. Um. But you know, I'm I'm not I'm not totally sold that 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 the combination of Harden and Embiid get it done. I mean, uh, 
you know, hopefully Harden is healthy here for for the stretch run. I, I am excited to watch their games now that you have a, a true superstar on the floor with Embiid. Hopefully it takes a little bit of the, uh, you know, the pressure off him. But I got to tell you, I'm not really as excited about the Sixers as I am to see how everything just implodes in Brooklyn with uh, baby Ben. So um, have you seen these Steve Nash quotes? I haven't. I mean, I think Steve Nash literally just read the quotes from uh, Doc. Uh, I'm not going to call him Doc. Uh, Glenn Rivers when he got here and is now just spitting back the same quotes that Glenn Rivers had when, when he was asked about Ben Simmons and his shooting. Here's here's what Steve Nash has to you know, pinch, pinch me or, or, you know, tell me if this is uh, sounding very familiar. Uh, whether he improves his shot or not, I'm excited about all the things he can do already. He recognizes that Simmons, quote, isn't a shooter and said that he'd rather, quote, focus on all the things he does well, one-on-one defense, fr- dynamic fast break that happen to be Nets' weaknesses. So, again, you got a, another coach here who's going to make excuses Who's gonna say, "Hey Ben, we we love that you're you know like the the 2007 Sixers and run with us. You know you can get out on the fast break and slam it down against you know a third string center against D- the Detroit Pistons who fucking stink. But when push comes to shove and you get in the playoffs and the game slows down and everybody gets back on defense and you got to run a half court offense, we'll see if Steve Nash is still singing that same tune. I mean maybe he will." Because he was a fraud. He played for those fraudulent Phoenix Suns teams who never won fucking dick. All they did was run around with Amari Stoudemire and uh, the other guy, uh, 13, Sean Marion. Sean Marion. Uh, all they did was run around and dunk and dribble and slam balls into, you know, on d- defenders' heads in the regular season, putting up 120 with Mike D'Antoni. You know, just bullshit basketball. And I can't fucking wait until the playoffs when this baby Ben is forced to play real man basketball, and he can't do it, and he folds like a cheap suit. I can't wait to see what the fans do there. I can't wait to see what Steve Nash says, because at some point he's got to keep his job too, right? At some point you got to call a spade a spade. So I'm just excited that Simmons already has that loser city, that loser franchise already in a pickle where they're already making excuses for him. He's already an all-star. Yeah, they're 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 making the excuses for him. You know, they're, they're patting him on the butt. They're, they're buttering his bread. And I got to say, like, you got to give credit to Daryl Morey. I mean, I think it was in the fall. He was on with Miss, and, you know, he said that he was not going to trade Ben Simmons unless he got an impact player in return. And that's what he did. And he was able to do it before the trade deadline. I mean, I feel like all the chatter I heard was that this wasn't going to get done. It's got to wait till the summer. And you kind of wasted another great season out of Embiid uh, if, if you don't make an ad here. Um, but he gets it done. So good on him on sticking to his word and, and for getting it done uh, in a timely matter. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if baby Ben's in the lineup. I think it's March 10th Brooklyn comes to Philly to play the Sixers. He'll be out. A load management that day. Yeah, load management. Uh, but if not, when Wendy's was was live on Twitter. They're ready to go for a March 11th frosty freeze out, uh, assuming two Ben Simmons missed free throws in that game. The concern I have for that game is it's going to be 
Where do you see the spin zone? It's what what is it now here? February 14th coming through your airwaves on the 15th. If somebody dumps a tub of popcorn on on baby Ben on his way off the court. Who, who do they they did that to who? Westbrook last year? Yeah. But like if Simmons comes into Philly and somebody throws like a beer or a tub of popcorn at him, you know what it's going to be. It'll be the spin zone that that's why he sat out because he was going to get abused by Philadelphia fans and him, him sitting out and waiting until he could go to Brooklyn. Uh, he did what was right. Wait, do you see this whole thing will shift and it'll be a spin zone and everyone will, will forget exactly how the hell we got here. Yeah. I'm not like a, you know me and, and I think you're the same way. Like I'm not a, we're from Philly. No one likes us. We don't care. Like, I, I don't condone that whatsoever, no. but but in terms of Ben Simmons and, and that this whole situation uh, and, you know, the spin zone that, that might be upon us, I mean, in, in terms of that, it, it, Ben Simmons, if you can't take the heat, get the fuck out of the kitchen, buddy. Yeah, he did. He just didn't show up for work. Yeah, but now I think Harden Harden's going to join the Sixers. I mean, he joined the Sixers for practice today here on Monday. I saw that. Uh, he looks good in the blue and the red at the practice facility. Uh, I don't think he's going to play until after after the All-Star game, which I believe is Sunday. Um, so we'll look forward to seeing James Harden take take the floor uh, in action with the Sixers next week. But, yeah, again, I mean, great job by Maury. Doesn't mean it's going to work. Doesn't mean it doesn't uh, that it won't end in another pathetic, tragic second-round exit. Um but you can't you can't project that kind of stuff, and you just got to be happy right now that that they push their chips to the middle of the table. So can I can I announce my bombs boon to pick of the week here, presented here we, by Shamrock Sun? Here we go. It's been a bombs while. Boon to pick of the week, presented by Shamrock Sun, is none other than the videos, the people who were doing it, of uh, people burning their Ben Simmons jerseys. Have you been seeing this, G? Yep. My bone to pick is uh, is with those people. I mean, maybe you should turn the lighter on yourself and light yourself on fire. Because if you were the type of person to buy a Ben Simmons jersey to begin with, you have no one to blame but yourself. I think it's despicable that you were a Simmons slurper. They probably have a Wentz jersey in the closet. They were a Simmons slurper. They're a Wentz worshiper. And now you're burning the jersey. Buddy, turn the bick on yourself. You have no one to blame but yourself. And on that note, I, I kind of thought to myself with all the memorabilia and Ben Simmons jerseys that, that were acquired over the years, I might be one of the few people in the Philadelphia area with a, with a piece of apparel pertaining to Ben Simmons that, that's actually worth keeping uh, and sporting going forward here. What's that? The, the old uh, dickhead T-shirt uh, that we acquired in, in the Lincoln <laughs> Financial Field parking lot. Dude, that the minute he got traded, the dickhead, you paid what, 13 bucks for it? $13. Yeah, maybe I'll put it up on eBay or something and see what I can get for it. That's like a $40 t-shirt now. And it's in the beautiful part is it's in the Brooklyn colors now. I mean, you can rock that to that Brooklyn game. I'm telling you, I'm cooking. I, I got the best piece of Ben Simmons memorabilia as a Philadelphian. All right, I gotta make a plea to the fan base. If you want G to wear that to the uh you know, to the Sixers Nets game, we gotta we can't have them in the nosebleeds. We gotta put them courtside. 
We'll figure out a way. And if you can Venmo G, we'll get him to the courtside seats. He will wear the Ben Simmons dickhead T-shirt, uh, provided Ben Simmons is there. And, and, and we'll go and, and uh, you know, do some content live, you know, courtside with Ruben and Meek. And then, you know, two seats down is G in the dickhead shirt. That would be fabulous. That, that would really be something. Um, nothing else on that for me. How about you? That's all I got. All right. Well, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on one more thing um, that took place over the weekend. It's got some people's panties in a bunch. Other people are loving it. I'm personally loving it. Um, waste management. Saturday, we had our first ace on 16, the grandstands, the big crowds. And I forget who it was, Sam Ryder. Sorry if I'm getting the name wrong. I think the last name's right. I think it was a fellow by the name of Ryder rolled one in, ace on 16. And the crowd absolutely erupted. They were spraying beers in the air and then ultimately were littering the green with with beer cans and debris. But it was a complete party, a complete celebration. Uh, you know, it was all all out of out of happiness uh, and love of the game. But you know, there were those folks, those blue check marks, and other sad folks on Twitter that said it's it's bad for the game. This is a bad look for golf. I mean, I think the only people that might have a case of saying that it's bad for the game of golf are like the agronomy folks that put all the work into maintaining and, uh, you know, preparing that green for play last weekend. But just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the chaos at 16 on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, pretty cool. I think another guy had a, had a hole in one or an ace on uh, Sunday. Um, you know, a cool video. It kind of reminded me a lot of, uh, Ole Miss is a baseball team where they do beer showers after every home run. Now, granted, they don't sh- throw shit on the field. Um, I got a little bit of a different spin, and, you know, interested to get your thoughts. I'm okay with you throwing shit, like, to celebrate the the ace or the hole-in-one, but, like, what, I, what I'm not okay with is, like, you throwing it on the green. Like, is there a reason why we can't just, like, throw it into the bunker or – like, I think they need a different tradition where maybe you throw a hat, like treat it like a hat trick or something. Because I was watching it uh, yesterday, obviously, before the Super Bowl. Patrick Cantley is putting on 16. And he hit, you know, a pretty good putt. And they, they zoomed to his face. He's stunned. It, like, hit something on the green. And I don't know if it was, like, you know, a divot or what have you. You'd think he would have you know, patched it up prior to a rolling his putt. But, uh, you know, I don't know how much of that is the result of what was getting thrown on, on 16's green. I, you know, I don't have a problem with it, but I think maybe they have to change the change it to something that's a little, you know, a little less impactful on the green, you know, the full beer cans on the green. I mean, that's going to leave a divot. No, I don't disagree. Um, I mean, I think it's hard to say, throw it here, throw it there, but yeah, maybe, maybe pick another item to toss out there. Maybe, maybe a hat. It's a little bit lighter. Won't, won't make a divot or have any impact uh, on the green. But yeah, I mean, you got to feel a little bit for the agronomy guys and the people working their tails off to get those places in tip top shape. And then you got to feel a little bit for the players. Like you said, Cantley, the guys that got to play after that hole. Like, yeah, there's the greens wet now from beer. You know, there could be a couple chunks out here and there, or, you know, a, a, uh, the top of a can that, didn't get picked up or, or something by chance, which you would think the player would clear off if it was in his line or whatever. But, um, 
to the people that are like, oh, this is not a good look for golf. Like, I feel like golf is kind of trending in like a, a direction that it's more fun and, and laid back and like, you know, anybody can play and all this stuff, which which I kind of like. But then, you know, you got these old fuckers with their panties in a bunch. Oh, this is bad for the game and all, all their etiquette and all this shit. Like, I, I just think it's a little bit overboard. I think I think we should have fun with it. I think it's great for the game. And in fact, like if I was Bud, Budweiser or, or Coors or Miller or what have you, um, like that should be a promotion. Remember they had the, the, the refrigerators around like Cleveland if they won the Super Bowl or what, whatever it was. We're like, oh, if we win, a, we make the playoffs or something like everybody gets a free beer. Or, you know, something along those lines. Maybe it was with the Cavs. But like I feel like somebody needs to, to hop on that and say, all right, you know, the Miller Lite Ace Can. Like, can you have a camera in the cup and like the minute the ace hits, like it unlocks like something sick for all the people there or all the people watching on TV. Maybe there's a QR code that gets fired up. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Like do something specifically around beer because, you know, you're right. It just it it, it would kind of engage a, a different different audience if you're looking for, you know, some younger folks who want to go out, have a good time, drink a couple pops. Um you know, it makes it interesting, even if you're at a bar and you're watching it, like you're looking for that that hole in one. So maybe you can, you know, win a beer or a free beer at the bar. Didn't Lane Johnson do some deal with like Bud Light when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Yeah. Was yeah. that something? Yeah. So something like that would be cool. But I mean, just to throw on the TV or, or pull up the gram and, and see all the people going nuts. Like if you're not a golf fan and you see that, then you're like, oh, that that's kind of interesting. Like that looks fun. You know, it just kind of I mean, you would have to think it, it grows the game. Uh, in some degree, but yeah, I mean, may, may, maybe clean up the trash a little bit, have some sort of other little tradition, but otherwise, I think it's I think it's pretty awesome. Are you a grow the game type of guy, G? I mean, not really. I'm I'm trying to not grow the handicap. That's 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 <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing revolving growth I'm trying to do. I'm trying to shrink the handicap. <laughs> but no, just like just like to see people having fun, having a good time, and I, I don't like when people get all stuck up about it because life's too short. You just gotta let loose and have a good time. No, I'm imagining the the waste management Phoenix Open is going to be a hot ticket next year. But did you know that they're they're also going to be having the Super Bowl out there same time in Arizona? Wow, we might have to look to get that one on the docket. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be a hot ticket. Maybe if I can take a little bit more of your cash throughout the rest of the year, I'll be able to afford that one. Come on, man. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to touch on before we shut it down? That's it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 35 of Thoughts in the Shade. Uh, thanks for riding out this football season with us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and just to reiterate, we're not going anywhere. We've got off-season topics. We've got other sports um, plenty of other stuff going on that needs the average Joe's take from me and bomb. So we'll be here. Um, thank you to Shamrock Sun. Thank you to Menard Premium Detailing, our sponsors, wherever you're listening, throw us five stars. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>